0: Welcome to episode twenty-three of the Salopcast this season. I'm myself, Glenn Price, and I'm joined as usual by Ollie Warner. How are you?
1: Hi, Glenn. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you.
0: So we're st- recording post-Christmas for the first time, Ollie. So I hope you had a good Christmas, mate. Nice bit of a break.
1: Yeah, it was good. It was nice to have a yeah Christmas and eat a lot of turkey and <laughs> know, a lot of stuff. But um, yeah, I think um, I think like you'll probably be hitting the um, hitting the running um, in, the, in in January.
0: Yeah, I've I've, I've put myself into do a, a 70, 75 mile ultra in May. So uh, I have got a little bit of work to get back to where I need to be for yeah. that after a, a lazy Christmas. But um, no, it's uh, it's been a busy one, obviously, with, with family and Christmas and everything, and obviously two games on the road for Shrewsbury Town, and um, we're going to be talking about both of them, aren't we, in this episode? So, um, yeah, I think in, in essence in, we'd normally labour an introduction, Ollie, but I think with the amount of stuff we've got to go through, let's crack on with this podcast straight away. Luke Summerfield, lovely, Kona, deficit, half, oh, brilliant free kick from Luke Summerfield. Herringman still complaining it shouldn't have been one in the first, So the first game uh, being covered this week was uh, a trip to Akron to Stanley um, on Boxing Day, which did not go uh, the way we wanted it to do and, and kind of drained my Christmas spirit away, really, Ollie, on the way back home, which was a bit sad. But yeah, we we fell 2-1 to Akron to Stanley. They scored both goals in the first half, Jordan Clark after... Literally seconds, and then Billy Key after 21 minutes, and, and we got one back in the second half through Norburn on 52. Um, yeah, interesting. Not not a huge attendance on Boxing Day. You know, you, you saw some big attendance actually on Boxing Day around the Football League, but only 3,061 at Accrington, which was pretty poor. I think we took 800 of that as well. So, 772. Yeah, it's uh, you know, not a massive club, are they? are just
1: a very, very small club, yeah.
0: Yeah, but um, decent attendance from the town fans, I thought, Ollie, for a Boxing Day game.
1: Yeah, no good. good. Obviously, it's a couple of hours on the road as well, so yeah, yeah. good attendance.
0: Yeah, it was a bit further on the way back, wasn't it, because of a crash on the M6, which uh, annoyed a lot of people. But um, there we go. Um, team selection, sticking with the usual, really. Um, Arnold in goal, Bolton, at right back. Sadler on what centre-backs. The one change was uh, sort of the one that we had from was the week before, I think he played. I yeah, he played the week before, Haynes yeah. came back in again, so he retained his place ahead of Beckles. Central midfield was usual, Grant at the bottom of the diamond with Doherty, Norburn and Laurent this week at the front of the diamond and Fay and Holloway up front. So no real surprise in the team selection really other than I suppose we might have thought Beckles could come back in but it looks like we're sticking with Haynes for the moment. Yeah,
1: I, I, I imagine Beckles, was Beckles on the bench? No, nope. nope, he wasn't. He wasn't in the bench, he's obviously still being rested then from those niggles um, and I think it was right to start Haynes again, he did alright in the other game.
0: Yeah, no, he, he, we said last week we were solid enough and... Um, He's, he's obviously getting a run at it now, but uh, quite who's playing left back after the January transfer window <laughs> closes? We might have to have a discussion about that down the line. But yeah, yeah it was an interesting game. Ollie, you, you've thought about you know well. Actually, before we get into the game, we did meet up pre-match, didn't we? And we probably did a word for the for the Accrington fan zone, two pound a pint, ideal.
1: Yeah, it was good. So I um, parked up. Um, half a mile from the ground had a bit of a walk then I had to walk back to my car because I left my ticket in the car Not oh, the best best idea um, yeah and then I went into the Crown um, on my own first had a pint there I was waiting for Ian and Callum to meet me cause- um, and then yeah then I was in the met them in the fan and then met you as well so my two worlds collide had Ian and <laughs> Ian Callum and Paula his wife was there and then you and Mike as well so yeah it was really nice and yeah saw lots of different fans we also saw um, saw a couple of other fans as well didn't we
0: yeah Roger and uh, Groover Roger of the sports parliament his son uh, Andy It was funny you did see me briefly before that Ollie where I yeah, parked across part. the road <laughs> from the crown and you came out of the pub and what was I doing stuff my face full of uh, leftovers, leftover pigs in blankets and turkey sandwiches before we came out of the so I, I had my head screwed on. i get a bit of a feed in before you get to the You've match. Got but a
1: to, good parking space there as well.
0: I, I, I was saying to my brother, you know, you normally go to away games, anyone that drives to away games, and you try and get, you know, as close as you can, but somewhere you can get away quickly as well. And I remember the best ever parking space I've ever had in an away game was we went to Rochdale. And if you remember, the Rochdale uh, ground is like right back onto the road. And I'm, I parked like literally directly across from the turnstile that we went into because we got there so early because playing for the away used to turn up a little bit early, didn't you? But I think the one I had at Accrington on Saturday was pretty much just as good. So you had the steps that came up onto the main road by the crown. We parked directly across from there. So it was away in 30 seconds. So happy days. It's, all, it's always good. <laughs> that was like a, a Christmas miracle to get that close. But um, yeah, yeah uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as good as that after we got into the crown really.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. So um, we decided to rather than do the normal chronological order, first half, second half, then reverse view the kind of the game overall and the a bit of a view on the opposition. We thought we'd do this in the in the in the theme of good, the bad and the ugly. Mm. So we're gonna kick the game up so we'll start with some positives and we're gonna end with some negatives. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that um, the ugly has more than the bad and yeah. even more than and the bad has more than the good. Um, but we'll run through the game, and yeah, there's was a lot, was quite a few discussion points in this game, and a few interesting stats as well as we go through it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fair thing to do, isn't it? We, we could talk about the generalities of the game a little bit more this week than the specific moments happening in the game, because really my, my overall view is that it was a very poor performance. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll try and cover as much of the good stuff that we, we thought there was, but um, you know, you, you, you're trying to get blood from stone a little bit at this performance, weren't you?
1: Yeah, we were. So. Um, <laughs> The, the only real highlight, really, I think, was in the first half was as a really, really nice bit of link-up play from Faye. I thought I had a good game overall. Mm. He keeps getting offside a lot, which is a bit frustrating. Um, he yeah. passes to Doherty and shots from distance, and that was probably one of the best kind of build-up play apart from the Lauren effort we had in the first half. Yeah, and then the second half, and then I put the second good was second-half performance. as an improvement on the first, which wasn't really very difficult. Um, very, very poor. Um, but the second half was better, wasn't it? The shot came on, and I think the players did improve um, after half time
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm probably going to be a little bit more negative about this game than, than you are, Ollie, because I thought you know, oh, maybe yeah, we haven't th- got this... into bad. No, 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 no. But I think you know, a lot. I saw a lot of people on, on sort of Facebook and Twitter and talking about it. I think Lewis as well saying, you know, better second half. You know, much more improvement. And that's fine. It was an improvement. We played better. But you know, we were starting from the the point of a, a very poor performance in the first half, and and really. We didn't really lay a glove on them in the second half. You know, the only goal we scored was a penalty. We didn't actually score from open play. I, I don't think it was a, a, a good performance in the second half. It was bang average. Um, I think Accrington probably weren't quite as good in the second half as well, and it became quite a, not a turgid game, but it was much less less sort of in, intense from them in the second half. So I, I wouldn't describe it as a good second half performance, but yeah, I agree, it was definitely better.
1: Yeah, it was definitely better. And yeah. then obviously, Norburn's penalty was probably the only real good point of the game. Um, <laughs> I was not even sure if it really was a penalty. Penalty. No. Uh, I don't think that, well, that one was. Um, and that was it, really. I think that kind of sums up the good. Not much to really positive to really take away from the game. Um, no. In terms of bad, and this is kind of a summary of the game, really. First half, Stanley, Stanley just cut us apart with a couple of passes. Defence, when I say defence, it's the whole team was all over the place. Midfield was non existent, the defence all over the place. And, sh- and Clark shot from inside the box. So two passes and he got inside the box and had a shot. Yeah. Um, which just kind of really sums up um, the poor performance across the park. Then Doherty uh, had a decent cross to Lauren who headed wide before half time. Um, and you need you need to be scoring those type of goals glenn it was that a sitter, was, it, was a sitter and it was right in front of you because i was i thought um, my wife was going to come so i brought seat in tickets yeah um so you were behind that goal and yeah he wasn't far out was he
0: well it, it almost hit us the header it was so far wide so um, and we were standing to the right of the goal you were standing i mean to the you know you just, at first look you thought oh it's Holloway we got a chance here and then when we looked up it was Laurent and interesting me my brother and and the guys we were standing with we watched we were in quite early we watched the warm up again and josh Laurent is a terrible finisher during during the he was by far the worst in terms of taking his shots and, and trying to, you know, test the goalkeeper. It was Coleman that was in goal for the warm up. He was and he was clear. And so when he had that header and he missed it, we just looked at each other and we were like, you could see that coming from the warm up. He really, really doesn't look confident in front of goal. And it was, it was quite a simple chance to be honest with you. Um, and it would have, would have been pretty unbelievable to have gone in one one at half time because we had been battered in that first half to be honest with you. Um, and I, I suppose the question I've got for you, really, Ollie, was, you know, for me, for, I've got my own view on it. I'm ask you, right? Do, do you, you know, there's a lot of criticism we can take to the players which we'll maybe get to in a little bit but do you think that Accrington took complete advantage of our lack of width in that game because we talk about oh there is width the fullbacks will get up but it was pretty obvious early on maybe that they didn't want to get out as much because they were being attacked by pacey quick tricky players and they were worried about getting caught out of position and as soon as our defenders get a little bit stuck in their defensive positions it makes it so easy for teams to attack us I don't know if you agree with that or not.
1: I don't think formation had any bearing on this game. you don't at all. Cool. Um, if you think about where um, Clark was effective, it was in the middle of the park. Mm. He's, not, he's not a right winger. He's, a, he's a, a person that starts on the right and ends up undrifting in. So his goal, he was on the left flank. Um, the shot he had, which we mentioned um, just a moment ago, he was on the he was basically in the center of the park. For me, Stanley played very centrally, and their players all kind of come in. Um, so for me, there's been a bit of debate about formations. I think formations is a red herring at the moment. I think, especially against Atkins and Stanley that don't play particularly wide, the full box don't even really bomb on that much. And for me, all their play comes from the centre. They've got two centre-forwards who want the ball to feet when um, they play off them. Um, so I don't, I, think, I, I don't think width had an impact in this game.
0: I, I'm not talking about there being you know no wingers in them, and them attacking that space for that. I, I think that... The, the way that Akram to play because they've got so many skillful, tricky players, I think it gave Bolton and Haynes more of a defensive mindset than they've had when that tactic worked well for us. And it has worked well for us. It's been part of the reason why we went on that good run. I'm not, you know, it's it's silly to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It can be a good tactic for us. But I certainly think that Bolton and Haynes were very negative in terms of trying to get forward. And we were obviously under a lot of pressure and it's more difficult to get out. But I think, you know, I'm not, it's kind of a tactic thing, but it's also kind of a mentality thing. I think that we just got stuck in that defensive shape too much. And whenever we tried to break, we ended up playing a lot of long ball, Ollie, in that game. It's probably the most long ball we played in, in, a, in, this season, in a game this season. And that was all we really had because we couldn't kind of come out in those channels wide. So it's, I suppose it's a bit of a mixture of both. I don't disagree with you. I'm not saying that tactic didn't work. We should have played something else. I think it was more just... We got stuck in a defensive mindset, I think, really.
1: Yeah, I think we'll come back to that claim when we get to the ugly section. Um, Then there was Mm -hmm. the bad as well in terms of the ref, in terms of the penalty claim on Giliad, which was clearly a penalty, an absolute stonewall penalty. And I think the referee just kind of ballsed it after um, giving us a penalty earlier on. Um, And then again, more bad stuff, just allowing Clark to run at the defence and shoot with no pressure. Mm. Um, And then Giliad's miss after being put through by Fay again. And that was a terrible finish. Absolutely awful finish. <laughs> um, and then another kind of bad moment for me was in um, the second half when uh, Zanzala came on. Um And he turned Sadler so easily. It was like schoolboy football. Um, and had a shot and a goal. It, it was just too easy. And... Um, our defence is just was not performing very well, and I think, don't think there's really anyone that can really come out of the game with too many um, too many plaudits.
0: No, picking the top three later on was quite difficult. I it found, was but... very
1: very difficult. I changed my mind a few times and yeah. I'm wa- watching extended highlights, but yeah, there wasn't that many uh, highlights from a time point of view to watch.
0: Sadler was really slow, wasn't he? I thought you know it was it was it was it was obvious that he started to age a little bit. One of those games where he got very, very exposed by, by the pacier players and the trickier players. Um, he made some good interceptions and, and tried his hardest as usual and he is blue and amber through and through, but you know, you're starting to see it crop up a few little times in games that he is coming to the end of his career now. And, um, you know, when you think about the way that Toto played, for example, last season, that you, are, you know you can see a definite difference in a young, fit attacking player and, and Sadler, who is a very experienced pro and gets through games using that, but sometimes can get a little bit exposed. So, um, you know, we're coming to the end of his career, unfortunately. And you know, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we develop once once he starts to get phased out of the team. Might not be this season, might be into next year, but but it's going to happen at some point, isn't it?
1: Yeah, both central defenders. Uh... Are quite slow, uh, <laughs> and it's something that they seem to tackle. They seem to, you know, they're trying to play one twos around them, yeah. um, which worked quite well for them. Um, and then we move on to the ugly section, Glenn. This is going to take a bit of time. <laughs> um, so I can literally do the whole kickoff, Glenn. I can remember it. Um, I've watched it back as well. So <laughs> we we take a we take we do a kickoff. And we pass the ball back to Sadler, who kicks the ball forward to the goalkeeper. Sorry, towards the centre defender. Central defender heads it back to the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper picks up the ball and he throws it to their left back. The left back kicks the ball forward, and Waterfall does an absolutely effing atrocious attempt to try and clear the ball, <laughs> which goes to his left um, and maybe about one meter forward to Sadler, where it bounces in front of him. Sadler's too slow to react, and um, Clark comes dancing in, picks up the ball. Now he's inside the box. And what does Waterfall do? Waterfall goes, oh, right. So probably one of the best attacking midfielders in the league. I'm going to let you go onto your right foot and shoot. And I'm going to keep going backwards. And oh, he invites him to shoot. And guess what? He shoots. And guess what? He goes in the back of the net. And 38 seconds in, Christmas is ruined. And we're we're done 1-0 down.
0: Well, it's interesting. I read Ollie Albarn's uh, piece in the Shocker Star this morning. He talked about um, the first goal came from something they talked about not allowing to happen in their, pre- in, you know, in their all their development of whatever the, the tactical plan was for the game. Do not show Jordan Clark onto his favourable foot from from a good distance out, and you know for for even seconds in, dis- any distance, any distance, <laughs> yeah. From, for, but to do it after 38 seconds is just ridiculous. And uh, we've obviously started to see some recovery in Waterfalls, but you know t- play you know, after a very slow start, but still got mistakes in him, and you know obviously made two mistakes for this goal. And you're, you're right to describe it as ugly. It was an ugly start to the game, and just all that anticipation of us taking a load of away, a fancy away game. You know the fact we could go above Accrington. They're obviously on a poor run. This is only their second win in nine. I mean, it just drifts away after going 1-0 down. It just takes all the impetus and all the, all the desire and sort of you know fight out the team straight away. And I thought that the, the, the goal being that early really did unsettle us for the rest of the half and probably played a very big part in how bad we were in that first half, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think early goals can for us seem to really have a massive impact on the game. So from a positive point of view, when we scored early against Barnsley and got a freak result there, I'm yep. not having that we played really well, but I think we just scored really early.
0: Now that we said Barnsley yeah.
1: really struggled and was surprised to come back. And here, again, like Burton, you know, like like they must have spoken about this after Burton. Let's not concede early. Um, and it's just just dire, dire defending here, and just pathetic attempts to defend the ball. Every, there's absolutely no, there's absolutely no defence of the players in this position, um, and you can't blame the manager or the coach And This is just poor player performance
0: couldn't really blame Arnold either for it no was too close to him
1: and he was right into the corner yeah and Um, and
0: one thing I was going to note and again it's probably the difference between standing on the terrace and standing in in, in the seating area or you might say you agree with me actually but it was really odd like I noticed from from as soon as we let that goal in the terrace was quite an angry place on Saturday Um, and and obviously understandable as the half drifted on and we were that bad and especially after we went 2-0 down but there was a lot of anger again aimed at Waterfall and it's still under the surface there I just briefly talked about his poor start and people had started to be turned around but every time he makes a mistake all it does is bring up all those terrible feelings that people have for him and it was, it was a really odd odd atmosphere on the terrace where we were it might just have been in the bit we were in but it was a lot of anger around us a lot of people really slagging the players off there was um, one particular lady who was standing next to us who's got to be about the most mad fan I've ever stood by she just shouted constantly for the 90 minutes like either just football cliches or like crazy things at the players it was like how, have your, how has your voice lasted 90 minutes doing that but I don't know if you've ever come across her she's quite she's quite hoot Ollie but yeah it was, <laughs> it, was it was quite angry around me I don't know if it was the same with you
1: um, it was quite muted, where I but I was with the um, the grey army um, posh seats. Yeah, in the posh seats, um, in the, the little <laughs> stand. It was quite a nice little stand actually, um, near the yeah. halfway line. So it was all right. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of football cliches uh, by us. Actually, it was really funny. Arnold did a superb throw out, a curling throw out, and someone shouted, "Why is he? Why is he throwing the ball there?" It's like. And I just shouted back, it was a great throw. It really was a good counterattack from Haynes. Mm. I think people just like to shout cliches sometimes. Um,
0: It's it's funny, I I thought it was like, you know, people would sort of obviously have a nice day with their family and, and, you know, have to keep all their anger and have a lovely day. And then on Boxing Day, it's like they must have a need to just expel all the rage and anger that they were unable to deal with on Boxing Day. I saw
1: a few people mention very similar (laughs) comments to that on Uh, uh, on the funny. which is quite funny. So, um, yeah, um, what else was there? So, moving on in terms of. Getting ugly. So next, there was um, Doherty, gets the ball in the middle of the pitch. Oh man! Can't yeah. find an option. Um, so he just starts running towards our own goal. He makes a really, really poor touch, which the ball then flies back two meters in front of him. Um, he then tries to kind of get the ball back under control, and he gets surrounded by two players and tackled by Clark. So then Stanley do a, a counter attack right at high up the pitch. He and then Clark basically does a really simple cross across the box to Key, who just passes it into the back of the net. Um, and we're two 0 down after 21 minutes, and um, yeah. Um, then it got Q, even more angry. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, cue the anger, um, and it's just another another poor defe- no, poor individual performance. So Doherty completely at um, fault for, for losing the ball in that position, um, and then but no one no one then put pressure on Clark, and um, Key was completely free in the box. So if you give players time and space like we did. Uh, we're going to concede goals. Um and it's no, and I you know Stanley were well well deserved for their 2-0 lead at this point.
0: Oh yeah, I, I think I put we we were you know to say we were second best would have been a huge understatement at that point in time. We were so far being being outplayed by them from from one end to the other. It was embarrassing at times. And unusual for Doxy to make a mistake like that. Normally, you know, he's he's better than that, isn't he? And um I think it just showed that sort of a whole, you know, feeling of just just no one really had that drive and, and desire to do what needed to be done you know and it was a horrible sort of wet foggy day up in Accrington Boxing Day they'd obviously had Christmas Day off had a nice you know which is unusual normally players train on Christmas Day um, it's the first time for a long time I can remember Arlott our, our not training on Christmas Day People were saying, has that had an effect? Did they come up here a little bit not you know mentally prepared for it? I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a combination of all those factors because we certainly made... We haven't been making a lot of mistakes this season, but to find Doherty switching off here, and it wasn't just for the goal. You know, Doc switched off a couple of times in the game. Norburn did. Laurent was all over the shop. You know, you could pick pick all the mid-central... Oh, Laurent... You know,
1: Lauren, everyone virtually had a terrible first half. Yeah. Lauren was particularly poor. He really well, stood And was really poor as well. And no one was given options. And yeah, for me, I, so one of the things that um, Doc, um, Sam Ricketts mentions is about, um, you know, players kind of getting structured and a structured style of play and having different options. And if if passing short is option A, B and C, then D must be going long and we're using that D option a lot at the moment. Um, I know you, I saw you mention it at some point, Glenn, you know, that you're know you a little bit concerned maybe is, is this Rickett's style, long ball football?
0: Yeah, we started, we've we obviously said that we've not seen his evolution and what he's going to bring to the team and what he's going to do. I, it's too early to tell really because I think a lot of the, the, the fact we went long ball more in the second half, which is when it improved, was as a result of how much we were getting battered. I suppose he had to try something yeah. slightly different. Um, if we start to see that as an evolution into what he's bringing to us, it's not particularly good to watch. And also
1: um, maybe central defenders don't want to give the ball to the midfielders yeah. because they don't yeah. have confidence they're going to do anything with it.
0: No, especially after after how we were getting ripped apart when they did get it. I mean, there was a lot, a lot of things that people complained about around me. One of them was that, you know, the, the Aki keeper would get it and he had all the time in the world to just roll it out to the right and left backs. So yeah, there was no I, pressure and it was really yeah. annoying people.
1: I I think, as I am going to say, I think people are wrong when they winch about yeah. that. Well, fair um, either you'd push up your whole team so you've got your central defenders on the halfway line and everyone really pushing up and that allows the central strikers to put pressure on with the midfielders really close, which means then our central defenders have got the whole half to run back behind them. We're not going to do that, are we? Mm. Or, or do you want um, Faye to absolutely knacker himself out, run his energy bar down, tracking down a goalkeeper, and then when he's one-on-one in goal, he can't run because he's knackered? I'd and
0: we've got hit. no, yeah. no like-for-like replacement for him yeah. either, have we? And so. for me,
1: no, no I don't mean knacker, I mean lack of energy. I'd yeah. rather he saves his runs for running in on goal rather than pressing down a goalkeeper who's going to kick it, you know, kick it fifty yards anyway. He and saves a lot. Yeah, he saves a lot
0: of energy being offside all the time, though. Wally,
1: that is frustrating. <laughs> but you see my point about you know, no, I if agree. You're going press, I you have to. Every, everyone has to do it. You can't just be the strikers and Shrewsbury Town fans seem particular. To moan about strikers not tracking down um, goalkeepers when they got the ball. It's just so, for me, it's a waste of energy.
0: Well, Holloway looked particularly lethargic in that first half. Well, he start was for ill, me. wasn't and, he? he was yeah, Ill. he obviously and that was ill. But it says a
1: lot about <laughs> the other strikers that he's prepared to play an ill Holloway rather than the other strikers.
0: I think that it proves that if he probably could and if he probably can, he will we'll want to get rid of Angle and the shop, I think, after Christmas. But I doubt he'll be able to get rid of both of them because of money reasons. But uh, we'll have to see. Clearly, he's not impressed with either of them. Um, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think it's more about the case of, you know, when we play well and the press works you know it wasn't just that it wasn't um, Faye closing down for example it was Laurent and Doherty and Norburn you know they, when they press well they can nick the ball back in the opposition half I can't think of many times in that entire game where we won a ball back in their half and were able to spring a quick counter almost every counter we had came from our half and every attack we had which wasn't many across the whole game sort of started from defence and we worked our way up the pitch you know the press was just not there, was it? And um, no, but you I, know,
1: you... again, I, to me, I'd put the same analogy back. You to press, you've got to really commit your midfield forward and have confidence. Your defence is going to be able to run back mm. and, and compete with a boy over the top. Um, and I just don't think we have. the, players in defence are capable of allowing us to press. There's
0: a few structural problems isn't there yeah. in, the, in the types of players we've got and what we're trying to do at the moment and that'll only that'll only be addressed by bringing in new players frankly.
1: Exactly yeah and for me I thought it was just worth worth highlighting though no, it's interesting sitting where I was sitting this town fans noise was kind of blowing off away um, away from the stadium. You don't hear the, the town fans that much when you're sitting in the rest of the stadium.
0: I so, couldn't hear them so, and I was in the terrace.
1: <laughs> yeah but then at half time there was a lot of booze um, That we did fans. hear. Yeah. For me I've described it as a Basically, the first half was lacking effort, desire, and willingness to put in a shift. Um, for me, it's the worst half we've seen under Ricketts. Um, and the players would just embarrass themselves in that, in that first half performance
0: by a considerable distance it was the worst half under Ricketts I don't think that's a, that's a debate at all really Ollie it was um, embarrassing and it was just you know it's one of those games Boxing Day when you've got a, a fair few fans following you just don't want to throw a performance in like that it leads to more anger and frustration because you know people have taken time out of what is traditionally family time to come and support their football club um, and I've seen a lot of things in the press from Norburn and also Ricketts I think as well quite apologetic about it so I think they understand that it was a, not a good time to throw in a performance like that um, and were booze, were booze fair I think they probably were. On Honestly, you know, after that performance, I can understand why people wanted to have their say. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's not a common thing when we keep putting performances like that. They're probably going to people are going to keep doing it. But um...
1: So, yeah, interesting point, Glenn. So um, there's, a, there's a message from Clive um, on Facebook and he said, Rickett says he can't accept a lack of effort. And that's what we had um, yesterday. No motivation. And mm. that's a bit harsh on the Ricketts. Mm. Um, I, I did I did give Ricketts a godfall at half-time. <laughs> do you agree with Clive? Are you putting this all that Ricketts not motivating the players and the Ricketts is at fault for the lack of effort from the team?
0: No, you can't. You know, I think we've got to give him, like you know, you say, any new manager coming in his chance to build his team and we won't be seeing that until mid-January, February time, personally, I don't think. So, and it's he's not
1: just, just not building a team, also you know, exactly. the efforts of training and yes. the instructions he's given.
0: So there's very little point in having that much anger at the manager at the moment because he's in the situation he's in and we've got to give him the chance to turn it around. You know, it's not got any worse than it was. So it's just kind of saved the same as it was really from after Aske. so So um, there's that. But to me, I think it is, it is about time we started looking at some of our players at this football club and being a little bit more not harsh but just realistic about them That, that we've, we've often talked about a player will have a bad performance here, they're, they're not quite good enough for Football League, da 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 da, there are a few players here who, who are lucky to be playing in League One I think and um, you know, we could really do with cutting a, a few of them off and, and trying to rebuild around um, some slightly better quality, however I'm not stupid, I understand we're not a rich football club we, we live within our means and we have to have the players that we have to have, but you know we're, we're, we're likely to go to Sunderland if the Holloway is still injured Angle's got his mind elsewhere by everything you, you read. We're likely to go to Sunderland in front of maybe 40,000 fans and start the shop up front. And in all honesty, you know, you're, you're only going to get what you deserve in that situation. You, you know, the recruitment over. You know, and and Brian and that stuff in terms of attacking positions just hasn't worked, and so we're left in a tricky situation. But you know, when you look at the way that they performed on Saturday, Oli, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to say, look, you know, do you really want this? Are you really fighting for our football club? You know, it doesn't matter who your manager is. You know, you should be doing better than that first half performance. And so, booze, as we just talked about, then were right because the players more than Ricketts need to know that that is not acceptable for us as fans.
1: No, and I, think, I think, think maybe striking on the. I don't think you mean that in terms of you need to move focus away from the strikers. I think the focus needs to be on poor performance on the defenders and midfielders, because if the defenders and midfielders are not given chances, so if you think about in this, we talked about um, the goal opportunities. Um, Holloway didn't have any opportunities to score, um, no. and Faye maybe had one shot or something. Um, so there was very very little chances created by the strikers. But, now I don't, I'm not saying I disagree with you, Glenn. Yeah, that we could have better strikers. Um, you know, I'd, I'd take key. You know, from Stanley. You know, uh, flat, but, you know him him great. and Faye up front would be quite an interesting partnership. Um, but for me, the midfielders and defenders just like defend the midfielders. Just this is absolutely embarrassing. And and in terms of you know, in terms of backing this up. Our away form is the worst in the league. It's terrible. We've played twelve games away from home. We have won one, and that was under Askie, I think. That was um, Wimbledon, where we scored yeah. two
0: in the last couple of minutes and yeah. only just one.
1: <laughs> uh, a poor performance as well. If I we were terrible
0: really. that day. Yeah,
1: yeah. We've drawn three and lost eight. Um, our home form is ninth, so we've got like, that proves that our players are good enough. But for some reason, that the players either. Is it they can't be asked? I don't know. I'm not necessarily that's true. I'm just saying I'm questioning it. You get to a point now where there's enough enough of a trend, enough evidence to suggest that the players are just not putting a shift in and just not doing the basics. And Sam Ricketts was um, quite clean to point on that. Basics, basic, basics. You know, if we're not winning headers, you're not tracking. Um, the players just seem to, I don't know, do they not care? Do they just think, oh, it's okay? You know, there's no pressure on here or something? I don't know. There's something fundamentally wrong with our away performances.
0: It's very odd, isn't it? I can't, I can't quite get my head around it. I mean, I've been to, what, probably three quarters of the of the away performances this season, and, and you know, I've not really been impressed with anyone. I can't, you know, everyone was like talking about the recovery at Wimbledon and Askey was going to be safe in his job. I left that. I said, I'd said on the podcast, I left you that did. game thinking, that was rubbish, and we really aren't a good team. So, yeah, it, it it is interesting how players who impress at home and like obviously a majority of our fans only see the home games and are thinking, Doherty's a class player," you know. Norburn's really good in the home games, but actually they a lot of the, both of them flat to deceive in most of the away games that we've had this season. Not not Doherty so much, but you know Norburn particularly. Laurent as well. He's definitely been worse in away games, and you could probably say that about. Two or three of the players, to be honest with you, and um, yeah, you're right. I should take the focus away from the strikers because there are a lot of players, even the ones that people think are having good seasons, that really have gone missing in a you yeah. know, fair few games. Everyone's
1: and you, done it. You can't say yeah. it. You talk about the entire Let's Bolton was poor. Waterfall was poor. Safter was poor. Haynes was non-existent. Really, um, the whole midfield: Grant, Norburn, and Doherty and Lauren was really, really poor in the first yeah. half. Yeah, you know, the, the, you know, they were absolutely atrocious. You know, if you were giving them scores, you'd give them three or four out of ten. It was that bad.
0: Can't disagree, Ollie. I can't disagree with any of that. And I think, yeah, I think it's probably just best to leave it there, really, at the moment because <laughs> um, we're going to come on to the next game after after this. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not been it's not been great away from home. Something needs to change. We need a big win somewhere, um, and and that might start to turn things around. But there we go. I suppose that's us, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. overall, Accrington were pretty pretty good. I thought. I mean, they didn't really need to play that well in the second half, did they? Yeah, exactly.
1: They had a two nil lead. Um, yeah. They didn't really have to do that much. Again, Clark for me was the best standout player. Um we haven't seen Hall before. He seemed a classic kind of Stanley kind of gritty kind of player. Um yeah, yeah they didn't have to didn't have to try that hard, did they? They did some quite quick passing in the first half, all centred around Clark again.
0: Yeah, he's definitely the, the lynchpin, isn't he, in terms of their attack yeah. and play. But I, I really like Billy Key, not just yeah. for the finish. You know, his finish was a clever little finish, to be honest. Um, you know, but I also think his work rate was good. There was no no balls over into channels he didn't chase down, you know, he did conserve his energy for those runs, like you're saying, and when he did make them, he he always put our defenders under pressure. I thought he was quite dynamic, particularly in the first half. He didn't have quite as good a second half. But again, you know, we go through games recently and we talk about these players, but Jordan Clark had in our team, Billy Key'd get in our team we talked about Joe Jacobson we are getting our team you know and and it's funny people say oh, we've got loads of quality midfield you know having watched that game on saturday dave edwards would walk into our team oh, and he walk could in. he could probably walk in and play right or left back to be honest with you at the rate it's going so uh, you know if it's if it's going to happen in january no one needs to worry about us being overstocked in central midfield because it doesn't matter when you are bring in someone who improves the team for me to be honest with
1: you yeah no definitely mm. which made it all more the difficult to do a top 3 so yeah, quickly, hard. quickly for me i did the Faye shop and Gilead and Gilead only really made it in there because he was he was less worse than others
0: (laughs) and he only came on with like to the second half he didn't even play that long did he but I went for Arnold Um, I thought you know we haven't really talked about any I think a positive we missed maybe was Arnold's performance he obviously let two goals in and that's never good but actually I thought in terms of coming out and claiming crosses and corners being quite um quick with his saves like he saved three or four but that's his
1: job, Glyn. Um, they, yes. were, they weren't that difficult saves.
0: But this is it. No, they weren't that difficult. And actually, he spilt three of them out and one of them went As through I an attacker's legs. so. But he, he was better, I think, in terms of commanding his area in that game. He had quite a bit to do. So I was, I thought, Slim I,
1: pickings, I, to be fair, Glyn.
0: Yeah, I haven't really given him much credit this season. So I went for Arnold. I went for Grant second because, again, he didn't stand out but didn't really do too much wrong like he did in the previous game. Um, and I gave it Faye third um, just because he kind of kept running. But, again, I couldn't give him any higher than that because... He's really beginning to get offside way too much. My like he so, needs um, to improve his
1: offside, doesn't it? It's getting yeah, but a bit Holloway was though. as well.
0: To be honest with you, during that game, quite a bit as well. They both were offside, which was which was even more worrying. Um, I'd I'd suggest like a fair percentage of our attacks broke down with offsides, didn't they? And it was just like a big groan from the fans. So there we go. Through with match report, Ollie.
1: Yeah, wasn't very positive. <laughs> yeah. um, so Philip um, said never turned up. Gareth Davis, too much turkey. Holly Fitzgerald needs some defenders. Um, Dave Lawrence not good enough, and Dale was st- still crap away. Uh, Lincoln Tulsi the poor away form, and then Sam Ricketts. He said it was complete opposite to Coventry, um, were very poor, lacking desire, shown by conceding a goal after thirty seven seconds. Really poor um, goals, um, and make kind of referring to it's going to take some time to kind of fix those kind of issues. Great. Um, yeah, I saw a different side to my team. And they worked us out and they won the second balls with to Stanley. Second goal was really poor again, and talking about soft, soft goals. Second half we set it up. We had a clear penalty disallowed, and the defender actually told Giliad he pushed him over, so he couldn't right. shoot. Um, and they said he doesn't understand the waveform. form coming away from home. There's no real reason. It's about getting the basics. So I think I think it was just I think we don't, I think it's. You have to be careful not to kind of twist that too much. We could twist that and want to rant about why doesn't he know why we're not winning away from home. Um, I think it's 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 more about the players' heads than about structure or anything like that. Um, and he was very clear to stress that Sunderland is just another game. We go there to win. Go into a big ground. He's not interested. It's just another game. It's not a day out. Um, we need to start well and not give a goal away in the first five minutes. Um, and then he, and he, and he told Lewis Cox that he had to get into them the first time. He's disappointed to had to do that. It was the first time he's had to do that. So... Quite a lot of interesting points there. Sam Ricketts is fairly honest and fairly on point, I'd say.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's fair. He was honest about it, at least I suppose, and he couldn't really say much much more than that. Interestingly, someone sent me a tweet. I was just trying to find it earlier this week, saying, you know, everyone was very excited when we sacked Askey and we're looking forward to the future. But in the last ten games under Askey we accrued the same amount of points as the last ten games under the caretaker managers and Ricketts, which is quite interesting, isn't it? Because essentially, we've ended up back in eighteenth place after all these changes. So we are exactly where we were when. ASCII Left, we haven't got any worse, which Did is so a positive.
1: You say, do you think that selling Askey then was? I'm asking you a question, Glenn. So, do you think we should have sticked to Askey on that point?
0: No, then? No, no chance, no, no chance. Exactly. But I, I, I just it's interesting, isn't it, to think that that recovery that we had, everyone was very positive about. We've kind of you know fritted it away really with these poor performances away from home at Burton and obviously Accrington and. Um, yeah, it's it's still not right this season, is it? And I say uh, getting the new manager in is one thing, but it's also giving him the chance and the time to to do his job in terms of bringing his players in and stamp his authority on the team. And we're just in this, we have just kind of when you look at it now, these last three or four weeks, we've been in a bit of a holding pattern, haven't we? Of trying to stick with what kind of worked and for a little bit, but um, but we, we do we, well yeah. at
1: home though, Glenn. We're ninth yeah. in the league yeah. table for home, yeah. and yeah. we've shows that we've got decent players. It's so just the players need to this, and I think maybe it's. Um, someone pointed out um, I can't remember what's going to find the guy's name yeah James pointed out on Twitter that it's something for that um, for his human performance coach to look at mm, um, it would be mm. interesting if he can get into the away performances but there's definitely um, definitely um, some work to be done there
0: there is so that was Accrington and mm. obviously it got a lot easier with our next game which we shall move on to now because we travelled up to Sunderland We'll <laughs> certainly been no rush to take this one
1: Oh my God, he waited for that one to come down. Oh, what a goal. They opened that one up for him like a Christmas card. It was a burla And now we're back into this game. So, Saturday 29th, um, Shrewsby won, Sunderland won. Um, a good point away on the road against, obviously, a, a big club like Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, a record attendance for a salop gain with 33,288 um, with 697 Slopians that made the trip so that's a decent number
0: yeah it's fantastic isn't it Ollie uh, you know, and it was really loud wasn't it from the Shrewsbury fans not yeah. quite so from the Sunderland fans but there we go
1: yeah and um, Sunderland were on a good run of form they'd, uh, they'd won the last three home games um, prior to our arrival um, but and on, on the opposite obviously we covered this when we discussed um, the Stanley game of the week yeah. but Shrewsbury have got a poor away performance um, and we've only won in the last 16 away league games so that's not great
0: Yep. Um,
1: terrible. So going into the t- game, well, I caught it view you didn't I glint, um, under the concourse before the game. Um, I was kind of, yeah, walking would into the ground and I just didn't really have chance to kind of look the team. And you told me that, um, John Lewis was starting, which was one of the things that you kind of feared.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was odd, wasn't it? And I mean, I'm going to be honest about it. I was when I saw the team selection, and you, you looked at it and you thought, well, that's John Lewis starting up front as a lone striker, no fair. Um, You looked at it and thought, we've come to one of the best teams in the division away from home, who have an incredible good home record. We've got a terrible away record, and we're starting up front of the shop. I have to say, I was pessimistic. I thought this could be yeah. carnage, this could be trouble. But as it turned out, I was completely wrong. And, and actually, Ricketts pulled a bit of a blind with his team selection in some respects, didn't he?
1: Yeah, it was a really, really good team um, selection and a good formation and tactic. So um, we had the normal back four um, with Graham. And we had to actually played the diamond as well, which I thought was quite funny. So we yeah. actually played the midfield diamond. But what we did, rather than having two strikers, um, Gilead came in um, and John Lewis came in. John Lewis played on the left wing. Angelia played on the right wing, and um, with Laurent playing is like a number ten false nine um, kind of position, um, dropping back quite deep. And sometimes when we were quite deep, he was helping out a bit as well. Um, but yeah, I thought the tactic worked really well as we'll go through the game. That obviously gave us that protection, and we knew going into the game that Sunderland are most um, effective on the flanks. Um, so it makes sense that Ricketts made that change. And one thing we talked about after the standing game, you know, is is as Ricketts got that in his armour, is is it something that he's going to be able to do and Tactical changes, and yeah, good to see that he can do that.
0: Well, there's absolutely no way anyone on the scouting staff at Sunderland would have seen this coming, let's be honest about it. So, you know, throwing that little tactical surprise in at what was, you know, as we said, one of the hardest games we're going to have away from home this season was, um, it turned out to be a bit of a match stroke as I said, and, and um, yeah, it gave, gave us a lot of different, you know, options that we haven't had in, in the last few weeks, really, in terms of how we can con- constrain teams a little bit, especially when they've got a lot of the ball, but, um, that's not it's not fair for us to say that we were ultra defensive Ollie, is it? I think no, we, not we, we had our own part of the game to play and, and we did it well.
1: Yeah, we did. So, yeah, we defended um, with with that um, kind of, yeah, five midfielders. And when we didn't have the ball, we defended gallantly. But when we got forward, we were happy to push people forward, Fullbacks backs getting on, and when we, when they had the chance as well. So it definitely wasn't a defensive formation um, and kind of tactic. However, one thing that we definitely planned to do from the start, and it was a bit of a cheeky kind of tactic, um, but, you know, it's been done to us, um, was time-wasting. So, yeah, Salop were clearly... Um, trying to wind up the Sunderland players and the fans um, because obviously the the Sunderland fans do have a a slight reputation for getting on the back of their team and (laughs) you can kind of understand that with their recent history Uh, but it really worked, didn't it? That we were slowing things down um, from the start and you can't blame the kids for that
0: no, and and it was you know, it's obviously something that's really got Sunderland's fans' knickers in a twist at the end of the game, obviously got a point and um you know, couldn't couldn't beat us and they were like, Oh, time wasted to park the buses and I think it's fair enough to say we wasted time, we'd slowed the game down, we we'd put our game management into it. That's completely fine, you know, whether you think that's cheating or not is a is a whole different ball game in terms of parking the bus I'm, I'm not going to have that and we'll come to that as we talk about the tactics later on but in terms of time wasting that's a fair thing to say but it, people in glass houses shouldn't really throw stones because type in the phrase Sunderland time wasting or Sunderland park the bus and you'll find numerous videos from their era in the premiership when they were at Arsenal or they were at Man United or they were at Leeds or they were at, you know, or sort of Liverpool any of the big clubs in that era they always parked the bus or they always tried to gain management to slow games down because they knew they didn't have the quality to compete against those teams. Now, I would suggest the gap between Sunderland when they were in the Premiership and you know the top six is bigger than it was between us and Sunderland yesterday. But you can't really blame us for doing it because that was, that was part of our game plan to, to enable us to get a point and, and we really need that. So I, I think it's a bit churlish for Sunderland fans to go too crazy about it considering in a reverse situation against a big team, their club would do exactly the same thing and they're no better than anyone else.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the funny thing, isn't it? You get some, you get some funny fans, and and funny enough, like on on they've all, most all clubs have their keyboard warriors, and yeah. Sunderland seem to have quite a lot. They um, of fans, not they? Face to face, they were a really really nice bunch. Um, so I was walking to the ground, got out of the car, Becky, I dropped, I have to say, um, so we're up in Northumberland now, and um, Becky came up with me, we brought, and I left Becky and the dog um, to kind of, I went to the game, and I said it was very good of her. Um, and I got out of the car, some of fans saw, I had my shoes and scarf on, said hello, and, like, and then I was walking down the road, and a couple of lads said, oh, do you know where you're going? And I said no, um, and they told me exactly where to go. No, so face to face, and the guys who spoke to, because I sure also mention, oh, I went on the Roker report extra before the game, they, you know, they got some Really, really great fans, but like any fan fan base, they have a few a few um, let 's say less um, positive characters. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think it's the same, isn't it? Come, and it's normally the big clubs, isn't it? You've got when you've got more fans, I suppose that you, you sort of uh, are more vocal out there on social media and stuff, and so. But I, I agree. I bumped in some Sunderland fans before the match, and I was asking one of the stewards where the away end was, and this lady came up to me and said, "Oh, if you go over there and you you find someone who's a season ticket holder, you can get in for a tenner today." And I was like, "Well, I'd like to do that," but I'm an away fan. and She was, "Oh, no problem." So she was trying to help me get in cheap, which was quite good. So um, yeah, that's you can see funny. you can see if that's the sort of deal they're doing, why they're getting their big crowds did, I suppose, and exactly. why they're getting thirty thousand down there for a League One game, which is. Pretty pretty impressive to be fair so it well, is a good number it, is it, good. it was but yeah as i say we talked about the we talked about the time wasting and the, and the team lineup but it, it was in, initially quite shocking to see Laurent the furthest forward wasn't it Ollie?
1: It was surprising, but as we went on, because we, we sat next to each other at this game is something, we don't do that often. Nope. Um, and, and we started well. And we, we were both commenting, you know, we were kind of, Glenn, Glenn, it's five minutes, we haven't conceded yet. But also, you know, we started the game really well. I'd say, like, the first 10 minutes or so, t- Shrewsbury Town were definitely the better side. And um, it links back to you saying you read that um, article from the Sun and Echo and they were saying that you know, Shrewsbury are a team not to you know, be taken lightly, and we showed that with Doherty, Gilliard, and Norburn getting on the ball and, and playing some nice stuff.
0: Yeah, and the, and the thing that was good about it is, was we were, we were intense, we, we really wanted it, we, we really got stuck into them, you know, there were some really good hard challenges from Grant and Doherty I remember, um, when we had to defend the blocks were solid and crisp, I thought the passing was excellent in that first 20 minutes, we were really crisp with the passing, and again, the midfielders take a lot of credit for that, um, and I, th- I just thought it was nice to see us come out, and frustrating because you think if we'd have put that type of performance in against Accrington we could have got so much more out of that game. Accrington weren't you know, world class were they? And it's a bit annoying that we can then suddenly start playing like that for the first 20 minutes half an hour of a game and, and not have done it at all really during the Accrington game but as far as the Sunderland performance was, obviously they are at big stadium in front of a lot of fans, it, it got the players up obviously and, and you, you cannot really fault that that first period of the game but we had one shot um, which was like a half shot I think from a corner where Doherty sort of trickled run towards the line, they cleared it um, and then, then we had some Morgan play didn't we? There was a really good counter at one point
1: yeah we did and and just on that, I think it was also we um you know this was a test for Ricketts and the players, and that's the funny thing about football isn't it you get you get shocks, and that's why people you know watch the football if it was a, if the league table was just about attendances you know, no one would go it would, you know, te- you know it's kind of a bit of a contradiction, no one would go and if it was that boring, but anything can happen and yeah that mental side of the game is quite interesting, and clearly you know the players were up for this um, yeah, and you- Ricketts had obviously got into them um, so who were a yard really ahead well. of them. Yeah, we're yeah exactly. Ahead of him. And talking of that, so we, had, we started with a great counter attack. Um, Grant winning ball, and Jiljad St- went on a storming run on the right. Actually, quite like him on the right. He looks quite balanced there. Um, then he was fouled on the edge of the the, the, the near the penalty area. Um, I much preferred if we had a free kick, but um, kind of we were given advantage by the ref and Laurent fires over.
0: Yeah, it was, it was unlucky. I think, you know, we're going to come to this in one of the, one of the only real issues we had in the whole game um, when you look at it and whether we could have got more out of it was the finishing and, and, and you know, I think we've probably done that to death over the last few podcasts and it, it is a shame that we haven't got that natural finisher obviously with Fabian on the bench which, you know, tactically was the reason why he wasn't playing wasn't it, when you think about how we played rather than him being dropped so you suspect he'll be back in the team if we do revert back to our normal tactic but, yeah, that was unlucky I mean, it, Laurent had obviously missed that sitter at Accrington and he's getting a bit closer, isn't he, as we go on? <laughs>
1: yeah and for me it was kind of a bit of a, a bit of a theme of the game that they seemed almost surprised that we were tackling them um and grant particular you know grant norburn Doherty worked really tirelessly in that in that that area. Um, and then yeah 30 minutes into the game um, again another um, another um, driving run so Grant kind of jumps in front wins the ball off the toes of a, of a midfielder he runs forward and is fouled by the right back um, Doherty takes a free kick it's high and into the box and Waterfall makes an absolute beautiful header and sending the, the Shoe Town fans into absolute disbelief and absolute joy um, and it was a great header from Waterfall
0: It was it was brilliant I mean to us it looked perfect didn't it from where we were right in yeah. front of us and they've sort Ran down and they were really sort of getting the the crowd up, you know, going, come on, come on, and it was it was fantastic, a real moment. Even though it felt like we were about six miles away from the Molly, you know, and they, they were a very small speck in the distance because we were up in the rafters, weren't we, the fans who went? And um, yeah, it was just a great header. And it's funny though because I got was talking to my mum and dad today about it, and I've not seen a replay of this, so I don't quite know which it is. But on the day, it looked like a good header. But they were saying already Shropshire that it hit him on the back of the head. Have you seen a replay of the goal today?
1: It's really hard because the um, it's not like shoes where the camera's really close to the pitch. No, um, it's quite a bit away and. You can't actually see, and actually, the way he turns, I, I was, I was surprised. I'm not sure where it hit him, mm. but um, anyway, it went into the back of the net. It was great, though. Yeah, he may <laughs> yeah, meant it, you know. Wherever, he and hit him we on deserved. I'd say we deserved a lead at this point.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it's all well and good. We've we've talked about how good the midfield was. You know, the defense was solid. The, the the guys that were up front were were actually pressing a little bit more than we were. We were commenting about Accrington. They weren't running into the corners and wasting energy Ollie, like we talked about um, when we talked about Accrington. But they were certainly using their energy in a little bit more of an efficient way, um, forcing Sunderland into mistakes. They made a lot of mistakes in that first sort of half an hour before we scored. Um, and you have to say as well you've got to give credit to town but you've also got to say Sunderland were pretty poor weren't they you know for a team with a big reputation I was surprised how poor they started the game and and, and leading up to our goal they they massively underwhelmed in that period
1: yeah they they underwhelmed me throughout the entire game yeah that's fair um, and they're a little bit one-dimensional um, that that one dimension is very effective and you know they've got the players in this area and obviously international players I mean in those areas and a very potent striker and yeah, you know, um, kind of their goal was a great bit of play. Um a dummy from Sunderland midfield, um, overlapping fullbacks, crossed to Macher who finished really nice. So their goal came from their greatest threat which is wide and that's obviously why Where we played we had to we had to give protection to the fullbacks.
0: For me their goal came from their best move of the game. I don't yeah, think they it was had the best a best move of the move than game
1: than that. and fair, is probably one of the best goals um in all of the football league um on um, on Saturday. It was, it was a really really yeah. good goal and you know And, you know, you can look for, you know, criticism. And often we do, you know, to try and is anyone at blame for that. And for that one, you know, you can't blame any of the players. It was just a really good goal. And sometimes you have to say that was a good goal. And that's one of those times. So fair play to Sunderland. Really, really good goal.
0: Yeah when you look at the first half, we obviously got the goal on 30 odd minutes and then, you know, Sunderland got back into the game five minutes after that. Yeah. And they really pushed us towards the end and it, although it felt a little bit harsh to concede on half-time, there was a good five, six minute period where they really had us under the cosh a little bit for the only time in the first half and that goal just came at the end of that period and I think that's just what good teams do, isn't it? You know, those teams with a little bit of class, it just tells at the right moments and, um, you know, you started to worry about whether that little bit of class would be telling again to, to make us lose 2-1 but it didn't happen but, yeah, it was it was an unfortunate a time to concede and who knows what the yeah. game would have been if we'd got Half time,
1: Ollie. Yeah, just before then as well. In the kind of in the half, we had we was getting a little bit worried um, yeah. when we had Grant, um, Doherty and Norburn <laughs> yeah. all booked, which is a bit of a concern. Um, I thought some of them were a little bit soft, and the referee was definitely kind of influenced by the crowd. I think throughout the game,
0: Grant and Doherty, yeah, Norburns was stupid though. He, he kicked the ball away right in front of the referee. Yeah, that
1: um, was a really silly, yeah. silly yellow card. But when in at half time, you know, a little bit disappointed that we yeah. you know, we were drawing, but. Um, yeah, we're still in pretty good high spirits. It's not the the walloping that. We were potentially worried about. Becky told me if it's four 0 at half time, we ha- I had to leave. <laughs> so I was still allowed to stay for the second half. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point, um, I'd been seeing some cool pictures of Becky running with the dog on on the beach near um, near the front. So I think she enjoyed her afternoon anyway.
0: No, there you go. It wasn't worth leaving at that point. No, we were we were playing no. well. And I think that you know fans like to see two things, don't they? They like to see good football, you know, with a bit of quality. But if it's not quite there, that quality sometimes you want to see commitment and and passion and drive. And we've just lamented town in the in the previous section about that lack of. Driving commitment, at Accrington, and you, you couldn't complain about that during the first half. I don't think you could complain about it in the second half, really. I think maybe the quality of town drifted away a little bit in the second half, and, and it, it was never really there with the finishing in the game. But they really all put their bodies on the line and worked, you know, through the whole of the rest of the game. We'll go to second half now, but I think that for me is the difference between these two games, and it, we just need to be more consistent with applying ourselves, like we did at Sunderland, to all of our games going forward, particularly away from home, because you'll only turn those results around away from home if you put that commitment in, like we did on Saturday.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree, Glenn. Um, you know. It's- it's it's a a marker now that the players need to perform to in terms of in terms of their effort, um, and it's kind of the, the second half kind of started in the same kind of way, it's quite sloppy from Sunderland. You know, passes going astray, but then the Shrewsbury Town still had chances in this half, and the best half of the chance fell to the shop. So the ball comes into Giliad. He absolutely um, absolutely did the central oh. defender. Ran into the box, laid it back to the shop, and the shop fired over and. You Know we both kind of lamented to ourselves at this point yeah. that while he works, re- he worked really well, he played really well in this game, he yeah, worked really yeah. hard, he put in a shift. And like, I can remember, was it Doncaster away earlier in the season? He just can't finish.
0: Nope, nope, he just can't, golly. That's the simplest you can't way to count
1: it. on him. And if we, he it was a fantastic opportunity, um, to, in that position. And if Faye is in that position, I would say there's a really good chance he would have scored. Yes, but more importantly, he would have got the shot on on target, yeah. um, and I think Mafe probably would have scored that position.
0: And it wasn't just wide, was it, Ollie? It was high, wide, and handsome—a bit embarrassing, to be honest. Yeah, if,
1: if that was at Accrington Stanley, he would have gone over the stand.
0: <laughs> he would have, done. and 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 that's the thing about the shot. And it is worth just talking about it briefly because you know initially at the start, I thought, oh, God, he's starting, and we've come to Sunderland, and we're starting a player that has never really been trusted to start games for any of our previous managers. Yeah, he's come on a lot of substitutes. You know, managers have shown faith in him as a substitute. But he's never really been a starter the whole time at the club. And, you know, it just it's just like that. that shows the lack of options we've got, doesn't it? And you've got to think Angle's going to be on his way in January if he's not starting ahead of the shop in a situation like that. But I have to say, in the first half particularly, he really impressed me in the position he was playing. So he was out of position, stuck on the left wing. He was flying into tackles. He worked really, really hard in his closing down. You know, his passing was pretty crisp when he got the ball. He chased down lost causes, you know all the, all the things you would want, but un- unfortunately, you know all of that is 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 decent in his position, but he was still one of the attacking players. And when you get a chance like that, you've got to do better. And and as I say, that's I thing I said to Lewis Scott, that's why fans lament the shop. We don't lament his work rate or what character he is or what kind of bloke he's off the pitch. The fact he's you know a vice club captain, he's got a big role at this football club. We only lament him for his finishing. And as a striker, that is fair, and it is a it is a fair stick to beat him with. And if he could have done better there, and we went two one up a Sunderland, I honestly think we could have got a good result out of it so it proved to be quite crucial unfortunately um, for us getting the win it's just good we didn't lose I suppose but um, it is fair, it is fair to, to point out the good and the bad of the shop in that game and it's not fair to be totally negative about him but it is also fair to bring up that the, there is still that problem with him putting the ball in the net but there we go <laughs> Yeah there's
1: a couple of times he got caught because he's not a natural winger where he didn't track the man a few times but he had a good performance so we're not going to be too critical for this time it's just the, the the one point that you kind of want from a striker is, yeah. is that uh, that finish
0: well, I would say, Ollie, just say one quick thing about that is, as well. Is he was out of position so it left um, Haynes with a lot of extra work to do, didn't it, to be honest with you. Yeah. He was fantastic. And he was playing it's against definitely... McCready as well. Yes, yeah. It was definitely the best game Haynes has had for us, in my opinion. He was really yeah. good. He made some cracking tackles, provided quite a good bit, bit of options down the white wings when we were trying to get out there, was pretty crisp with his balls forward, and you know a good, solid performance at left-back. And Everyone worried about him defensively. We're not worried about him attackingly, but showed he has got a bit of nounce about him defensively when playing against some of the best players in the division. So, yeah, I was quite impressed with him.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I was having a debate with someone on Twitter. They were saying that they didn't think Haynes played that well. And I was like... And I kind of had a bit of a joke of a like, you know, hashtag high standards. And it's funny, I was watching the uh, match of the day later in the evening and Robertson got skinned. And I'm like, well, Robertson is probably arguably the best left back in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, and he can yeah. get
1: skinned. And, you know, that's just that's just the life of a fullback. You will get skinned at some point. Um, you can't stop every single attack going past you. Um, it's just it's just not. And especially when you're playing against, you know, Sunderland spend a lot of money on their wide players. So, yeah, we've kind of lamented that point there. So, yep, yep. Um, yeah, the game kind of went on suddenly to keep focusing on their flanks and getting the ball in the box. They put another striker on um, and they, yeah, just kept the, Whenever they were crossing, they were putting like five men in the box. Um, so Town did really, really well to um, basically keep keep these. Like, and throughout the game, we were doing some amazing blocks and last ditch tackles and they're glad to really put in their bodies on the line, weren't they, Glenn?
0: bodies on the lines are exactly the phrase I used quite a lot on Twitter yesterday and um, one thing I say is I liked Sunderland's substitution they put a big bloke on up front didn't they to try and change it a little bit and to be honest with you it played into our hands because Sadler and um, Waterfall were immense to be honest with you in the air they both had fantastic games Um, you know very very challenging circumstances with a lot of the pressure towards us in the game and I don't think they really made a mistake and um, yeah it was just, just fantastic from the two centre backs so as soon as they went direct and aerial a few times I thought that's fine I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll be able to head and clear all this away my only issue was whether that ball would land to one of their players and they'd have a, have a sort of second second phase yeah, shot but we were, really, which... we were really good at closing it down as well you know, you'd know, find that Grant and Doherty as well were just about getting there to stop those second phase shots as well so it wasn't really the defenders just putting their bodies on line but you've got to give Grant and Doherty as, the, as probably the, sh- the two shielders um, as it became when we were under pressure you've got to give them a lot of credit as well
1: yeah and it was is in one of those kind of knocked down kind of scramble situation that magic got the ball um, and dived for the pen um, in, in front of Ugh, Grant. It was horrible yeah um, cheap. but and the question like the referee for me absolutely bottled it at this point he was too scared to book him it was clearly a yellow card he tried to he simulated um, to try and win a penalty why yeah. wasn't he booked glenn
0: well, because the referee had slowly but surely been coming more and more in favour of Sunderland, in my view, to be honest with you, Ollie. That's what it, it felt like on the day. It was very much like they were getting lots of soft free kicks as we were trying to get out. Um, and it, yeah, it definitely felt like they was probably being influenced by the crowd, you know, 33,000 and, you know, whatever it was, 600 of Town, town fans and 33 odd thousand of Sunderland. It is understandable why he's going to feel a little bit more pressure, but it was beginning to get a bit frustrated towards the end. And I'm, I'm just glad that he didn't spoil and cost us the game by giving them some cheap soft penalty that just meant we left, you know, with, with a a bit of taste in our mouth because that's happened at a few clubs before. I think I remember it happening at maybe it was Bolton a few years ago where they got something. And soft, well, they the had a lucky is, yeah. decision
1: against Bradford were denied a goal as well. Ex- yeah, so yeah, the other week. Yeah. Bit, maybe it's a consistent thing, but obviously we haven't seen that as many. We haven't seen many games or something, so we can't
0: really comment. It's, no. And the funny thing about it is that as, as, as a fan base, they were quite interesting. Like it's really loud, and especially towards the end when they were really trying to push them on, and they they must have seen results not going their way elsewhere. They were trying to encourage their team forward, and it is quite intimidating. And I can even see some of our players thinking, "Right, oh, this is just ratcheted up from the experience we had." In in the first half but why i don't know why they don't just do it the whole game because they'd probably well, blow they probably go teams away they, if they did when
1: they make noise it's a weird because i gen i can not remember them i can't genuinely can't remember them doing a proper chant throughout the entire game so they did this kind of i guess they're saying the way the lads or something like that which makes quite a bit of noise but they didn't chant at all i was actually someone i was going to come on to let's talk about it now i was really disappointed with them as a fan base i expected them you know Having a bit of a kind of positive season, I expected to go there and you know they'd be kind of showing us what a great home crowd is. Mm, but I, I was surprised. I was yeah. quite disappointed with them, to be honest.
0: Well, I've been to I've been to games at Macclesfield, Stockport, Rochdale, Rotherham. You know, lots of clubs up up north that all chanted more and made more noise as a smaller fan base than, than Sunderland's fans did on Saturday yeah when they all started screaming when the ball was being chumped into the box and everyone was anticipating it it was really loud and intimidating but in terms of an all round atmosphere they didn't seem they had it switched on really no. which, is, which is interesting I was expecting them to be fantastic you know you hear a lot yeah. about Sunderland fans and the atmosphere and whether it was just because it was, you know, a Christmas day, it's Christmas sort of period game, and they just had a big crowd on Boxing Day. I don't know, but it certainly wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be in terms of an atmosphere. Great in the town end, we were really good, but they probably yeah, couldn't definitely. hear
1: that. <laughs> no, not well. They, yeah, the player said they could, and, 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 Doherty, oh, and the manager mentioned he could because we were a bit unsure about that, weren't we? But we did have one moment where we kind of thought that potentially we were going to score, and, and again another oh. great Doherty free kick. Um, hit the defender and the keeper at to palm it away yep. um, and then there was a back heel attempt by John Lewis which was really difficult and you can't <laughs> criticise him for that um, you can't but
0: it would, have been, it would have been a great way to pick something. if, with if the we'd John scored his own goal
1: that would have been absolutely <laughs> hilarious that um, would have been and we would have oh. gone absolutely mental at that point this uh, was
0: into the last five minutes wasn't it and it was yeah. a crazy end to the game wasn't it because there was that chance down the Very other end and then so. they broke on us and I think one of our defenders made a really late tackle then a couple of minutes later they had a corner and it was sort of so it was Sadler, wasn't it? It made a really sort of choppy I don't clearance. know how I
1: understand how he got the ball <sighs> over the bar. Like, it, Honestly. it was an absolutely immense piece of defending. Like, yeah. uh, probably the, one of the best like, clearances um, we've seen in the last few years. <laughs> it was Unbelievable. It. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. Well, he didn't mean. Well, he didn't want to score, did he? So he definitely <laughs> no. meant something. But yeah, Mate, it was amazing. So amazing.
0: So uh, yeah, and the, but the end of that game took a lot years off my life. I think, Ollie. It was like end to end. And you know, you want they want to say we parked the bus, but I, you know, we broke on them quite a lot. Fay had come on at that point, and you know, we didn't just sit in really deep the whole time. We were trying to get out and break on them. And I thought fair play to Ricketts and the boys for having a go.
1: Park the bus nonsense. Yeah, and the on only off. thing they can criticise us for is time wasted which is fair enough. They can criticise us for that that's 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 fair, but parking the bus, no, um, that's not true at all, um, we played carry attacking football, and that's just, uh, well, that's the beauty of football, you can play how you want. Um, in the
0: late corners, we threw as many up forward as we were, yeah. you know, we never threw that many up under Askew, and we were 2-0 no up, 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 do you know what I mean, we went yeah. for it a little bit.
1: Yeah, exactly, so um, the game ended one Um I think that was you know fair overall, um, some of the fans might be moaning, but that's up to them um, but I thought a uh, point was a fair result and much deserves for the effort of the town players
0: yeah no uh, fantastic credit, credit to all of them there that was one, one of the most enjoyable away experiences at a big club I've been to you know and it was ago. a long
1: drive I looked fortunate for me yes. to drive like an hour and ten minutes north um, up into Northumberland, but you had obviously a big drive back and I'm sure it made your drive um, home a lot more palatable
0: Yeah, I was supposed to be going with two of my mates who dropped out on the morning before. So um, I I ended up driving there and going back on my own, which is is quite a lonely experience, to be honest with you. But in all essence, you know, I got to to Liverpool last on the way home. So that killed a couple of hours on the way back and... Uh, it was uh, there was no traffic problems or anything on the way back and I seemed to sort of, sort of fly home really and you tend to when you've kind of got that sort of pride about your performance and, and what your team have done so it wasn't too bad going home it was quite quite enjoyable listening to uh, a bit of football and, and, and just knowing that we'd, we'd upset one of the big boys really so yeah, yeah. a good result you know. it'd be nice to get another win away from home but that'll do this week I'll be happy, happy, happy with a point
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's cool so I think we've talked enough about it yeah. Um so who did you go for your top three?
0: Um, well it could have been any one of about six who I thought were exceptional but um, I've gone for Doherty for, for man of the match I thought defensively when we needed him he was always there going forward he provided some absolute good drive but he, he really was great in the tackle and closing down and, and a real big part of what we did so I went Doherty number one and then I, it's really harsh Waterfall and Sadler for me as a centre back pairing possibly one of the best games they've had together in terms of their imposing nature considering how weak they looked at times against Accrington it was a complete change around Um, they won every header they put their bodies on They made both of them made some exceptional blocks and clearances um, and we definitely would have lost if they hadn't played up to the standard they played in so I went for Waterfall second Sadler third but it's really harsh to split them Um, and when you go for your top three I'm sure we'll have mentions for a couple of other players we'll be unfortunate to miss out
1: yeah definitely it was really 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 tough this week Um, much different to um, the Stanley game Game, the complete and upper opposite, yeah, really opposite. Weird. Um, so yeah that, that's interesting so with the Coventry game which is really positive then the, the Stanley game which is a massive drop and now we've got um, obviously St- um, Sunderland so obviously we're very inconsistent with our performances um, yeah so that hasn't it's changed the codes, has it to, yeah. to focus on so I went for Grant first I think um, you know it was really I think it was very it was fine margins to choose um, the kind of top three but I went for Grant just because you know his tackles and you put his body on the line quite a lot um, but then that's not, not taking anything away from Waterfall, who went for second, and I went Doherty third. Um, I had Waterfall for the header, and I thought well, Doherty had a fantastic game. He did a lot of headers. He was Had a great game. And I thought Doherty did really well in midfield, um, especially as he was on a book and still putting a lot of challenges in. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's really harsh on S- Sadler. So, yeah, special mentions, I think, for Sadler, Bolton, Norburn, and Haynes, as you've mentioned already. I think everyone had a really good really game. Gulliard played really well and shot pretty well. I don't think they were the same level as all the guys we've just met mentioned. No, I don't um, think so. And Arnold. Arnold had nothing to do. Um, he didn't have many he, yeah. saves to make at all. That's just testament to how well the, the boys in front of him performed.
0: Yeah, the, the back four were, were really solid and and, 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 and the miss, But the whole
1: team, the whole yeah. team stopped them. We were an absolute block in defence, um, and we were and we yeah fully deserved. Um, I nearly said clean sheet them because that's almost how it felt. But you know, Arnold and the, the team did almost deserve a clean sheet for that, um, yeah. that kind of record. But they yeah. got the point of their kind of their deserves.
0: Even the subs contributed for the bits that they came yeah. on to do as well with fresh legs. You had Beckles and Fair. Beckles
1: came on why did Beckles come on Glenn? What'd we needed think? his physicality
0: in exactly, the box for yeah. these late pressure that we were experiencing and he won a couple of big headers as well which was important So, um, and as I say Faye was useful then because we bring bringing on fresh legs on the break and he made a couple of little breaks as well so everybody contributed um, and as I say we can give the players a hell of a lot of credit we've just been sort of talking in the Akronton game about how critical he can be of the players but it, as I say whether, whether Aske's here or not you know, we used to lament our inconsistency that inconsistency's still there so they are inconsistent players but they've also they've got it in them to not play very well and they've got it in to play pretty well so it's just Which right is shown it's...
1: by again that the old form table, you know, in yes, a decent exactly. position um, at home um and obviously it's quite um encouraging that we do have a couple of home games coming up
0: yeah and rickett's challenge over the next you know few weeks is to either unlock that with the players we've got or find the players that are able to give us a bit more consistency and we'll come on to that in salam news yeah. won't we but um exactly. all in an exciting and good result i was chuffed with it
1: yeah no definitely so um couple of three words match report so martin said sam's the man sean would <laughs> love away days it was a good away day in the time fans it, were yeah. absolutely superb um Ian with a great point. Christine with fabulous, spreading fabulous out there. And Philip with with fantastic, brilliant point. Um, Craig has gone to four words, but I'll let, I'll let him away. He said fans were awesome again. Yeah, and Robin great. Edwards, Robin Evans, sorry, who was listening at home, um, he said that you could hear on the radio a lot of clap. So the town fans are excellent, and we had a good, we had a, some some good jokes and good chants from town fans.
0: Yeah, it was it was a cracking day, and there was a lot of lot of banner as well in the stands. Wasn't there people shouting? Yeah. out and it was it was certainly a lot more entertaining and much less angry than Accrington. That's for sure. Yeah, it was
1: completely <laughs> different. Oh, um, and then just some, some what does Sam Ricketts have to say? He said he was delighted with. Performance. He asked the players to carry out a game plan, which was clear. And obviously, one advantage of sitting so high up is it was quite clear, wasn't? It, to see our tactics, so it was quite interesting. Um, and he said that we were outstanding. We deserved the draw. Arnold didn't have much to save. He uh, basically, sorry, it was a question from Stuart Dunn. Arnold didn't have much to save. He said no, he didn't. Showed how well we worked. He said well, now we set a standard and showed everyone what we're capable of. Um, and then he also mentions the away fans are excellent and you could hear them well over the home fans so yeah so um, well all a good point point. Um, and yeah I think it's maybe a bit of a marker and hopefully maybe it's something that we can well we we'll of clearly use this as a bit of a benchmark in terms of performances going forward but hopefully it will give the players some confidence that you know we do have the ability to kind of grind games out um, and we just need to obviously just get that a little bit better going forward
0: Yep, i'm sure we'll get there i'd say i personally think it's going to require recruitment changes and we're going to talk about that in saturday news now aren't we as well as a couple of other things so yeah all, all in all a, a, a positive result um you know it means that if we can win the next game we can take what is it seven points from from the christmas period which would be acceptable so yeah i suppose it's on to the next league game really for that and then then the cup and uh, yeah there we go so yeah i guess we'll move on saturday news on
1: Okay, so um, Salad news. So there was a late entry um, yesterday evening when the news was brought to our attention um, that the um, one of the directors of Sunderland has, uh, had basically yeah written something um, in the state in a, a statement in the programme. So maybe it's worth mm. kind of what, what did he say, Glenn?
0: Yeah, it's, it's Charlie M- Mel Heath or Mel I can't really pronounce his name, but he's one of the one of the one of the directors at the at the club now, one of the main ones as well. Um, who sort of seems to be in charge of most stuff. So. It seems to me like him has either got the umbrage of shooting over something that happened at the home game and has decided to make a big song and dance point about it, which has painted our club in a bad light. And apparently in a bad light that is completely untrue, according to people from our club. So I'll read you what it said in the program. So this was thought out. This wasn't as a result of losing. It's not a salty comment. They pre-planned all of this out. So it says, racism in football is much discussed recently and rightly so, but sexism is still rife and largely flies under the radar. The odd club amazingly and disgracefully even still managed to operate a no women in the boardroom policy. Here is not the place to name and shame, tempted though I am, but the choice of this match to fill our own boardroom with successful women may give a faint hint exclamation mark so there 's no way other to read that than they are saying that we have a policy of no women in the boardroom, and it 's a disgrace and why, why are our club so progressive to, to be moving forward it 's two thousand and eighteen whatever. Okay, so we sort of spotted this after I got back from the game last night, Ollie, and obviously we weren't aware of this at the time because we didn't buy a programme. And I got back and I sort of pointed out to a few town fans, everyone was like, this can't be true, can it? You know, we, our football club doesn't do that, it doesn't sound like the sort of thing we would do. You know, I've never it's never been flagged up before and we've had loads of um, directors and their wives come over the years and no one's ever sort of made a song and dance about it from another club. So... Um, I sort of thought I'll ask any, I'll put it out on Twitter, and, and Jane Berber, Club Secretary, came on and said, Here is our policy for um, Director's Box, and, you know, there's no rules about women or not, and it's total rubbish. We've had Delia Smith in there, we've had, um, we had wives of loads of directors, we've had women who were directors of football clubs there, so it's total rubbish. And
1: Jane, Jane herself is a, as a member. Is a woman. Yeah, and. <laughs> <It's> just- <laughs> And also, Noreen and um, Brian's yeah, wife got Robert's involved wife. as well, and said that she goes in there as well. So, very, very odd statement for him to make.
0: Yeah, and pre-planned and specific. Specifically, they, they, you know, they've done this in advance. They've written it in a program. Days and days have thought about it. And as I say, they've they brought all these women into their boardroom to what name to, to shame Roland into something. God only knows. But the point is, it isn't true. And and so I think that it just points to the fact for me, Ollie, is that mud sticks and if, if anyone's if that gets out and people well, it's been read think...
1: by thousands of southern yeah, fans yeah. and they all um, seem to believe it yeah well yeah and it's almost like it's funny one southern fan said that shoes we have now got to prove it's not right which which one of the things i hate about the almost the modern fake world news is that you yeah. can you can make false statements and then the victims have to prove that it. it's not true um so yeah i would i would like to think that the club um are going to do something in private as a minimum um, we don't necessarily have to make it public, but I think the club should do something and contact them, and you know, th- and then come out. But you know, they've got to do something about this. This is not acceptable. They're tarnishing our club.
0: Well, I, I think they, they, in some respects it needs to be public because Sunderland made it public, didn't they? Do you know what I mean? And it's now got around both fan bases, and who knows how far elsewhere? It's been on Facebook, Twitter. You know, it, it might well get picked up by our local press or their local press. Their fanzine was talking about it, so it's it's, it's out there already. And to me, what you do is you give Sunderland the chance to withdraw that comment. ...or apologise, and if they don't... ...then Hughesby Town should go full bore to say... Sunderland a disgrace this is not true this is our policy and we are at a loss as to understand why Sunderland did this and And so we'll see how it develops this week to be honest with you I, I can't see them doing nothing about it because it has embarrassed our football club and, and you know maybe people will say well you, you like picking up on the football club being embarrassed as part of this podcast yeah sometimes it's, it's quite funny to see the mistakes we make and think actually we should be better than that but in this circumstance if it's not true I will back my football club and the directors and the manager and the chairman to the hill and say our football club is not like that we were not going dis, to dis, you know dissuade half of the gender pool just because they're, they're a female dissuasion it's a disgrace for anyone to say our football club does do that so I, I hope we see something about it I hope everyone at the football club is, is as strong about it as I am I liked what Jane Bebb said on um, on Twitter last night I thought she was very clear about the fact that it was rubbish and that she defended our football club and I, I hope the football club put something out along those lines because I'm not having it it's, it's a disgrace to, to sully us like that personally
1: yeah, it's not good, is it? And uh, yeah, it, it, maybe it was a, a you know a misunderstanding, whoever. But it's not yeah. very good. And yeah, it's good to see that that's not true at right, Shrewsbury.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, I hope Sunderland don't go up now. These scumbags. There we go. I don't <laughs> think they're going
1: to go up, mate, because they're not good enough. No. Good uh, to
0: think... be honest with you, yeah, it's very true. Very true.
1: Yeah. Cool. So, focusing back on Shrewsbury. Um, <laughs> And the football side. Um, we're coming up to the January transfer window. So what we're going to do in this section is we're going to talk a little bit about what we think we want, but then um, we want to then we'll then put the messages out on um, on Twitter and on Facebook and get some views of what all the fans think. So we'll go first, and then next week we'll come back with what the fans think. So over to you, Glenn. Um, you know, what's your kind of? I did say three focus areas, Glenn, and you seem to have kind of broken the rules here, but I'll let you off. Go ahead. So what, what's your what's your kind of what's your wish list to to Brian? and the chairman well, and to the ramager.
0: Number four is a bit more specific, so I think you'll let me off with that, won't you, Ali? But um, yeah, for me, I think I've gone for, for three positions. I want a new striker, I want a left-back who is an actual left-back defender rather than a bit of both. And I want a winger. And I'm not really fussed either side. I think we just need a little extra body in in, in the wide positions, really. Because at the moment, if anyone gets injured, we have to kind of abandon that tactic because so we don't quite have the quality for it. Um, and I think anyone listening to that podcast will probably understand why I've been saying that. I think Beckles is is, is not a left-back. Haynes has been better in recent games, but he's not a very solid defender all the time. So I think that's left back's quite clear, isn't it, I think? Um and the winger, as I we said, we've talked about it a few times. There's just there's just not the, the breadth of quality there, and I think we could definitely, I definitely think we could upgrade on it on everything we've got other than Wally. To be honest, we, Wally's a consistent League One player, but I think Gilead, Issa, yeah, I think we could definitely get someone in better than them. Um, so, the totally obviously. But uh, one one thing that I always lament, and I think you you kind of think I focus on it too much, is having a striker. To me, it's all well and good if we bring in more more left wingers and and left backs and and midfield, you know, recruitments. At the moment, I still don't think we have enough in terms of being able to score as many goals we'd need to be having a better season than just hanging around above the relegation places. So, to me, I think we do need someone else... You know, as clinical, if not better than Faye, um, to complement him. And, and I just don't think that Holloway, The Shop, or Angle are going to be the answer to that question. So that, that's my personal view on it, Ollie. I think those three would be the positions. I also put number four what would I want in the January transfer window? Dave Edwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Dave Edwards is an interesting addition to the squad, and he'd bring he a lot would. of experience. Yeah. Um, after the Sunderland game, you're not sure if we do need him, but then after the Stanley game, we definitely wanted him. So it's quite yeah, funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I went for a central defender with pace. Um, mm. That might mean we will have like four first team um, central defenders, including Beckles. Um, but so be it. I think we do need someone with a bit of pace. Um, I think a left winger, but I agree with you either side. I, I thought a left winger because Wally's the first choice. And yeah, I do quite yeah. like your on the right. And obviously he can be a backup for both. So I went for a left winger. And also I think another left back, just to put a bit of pressure on Haynes. But I'm hopeful that um, Sam Ricketts could turn him into a really solid left back. Um, so, for me, I think it's a very interesting transfer window. Um, so, we've mentioned, we both mentioned left back, we both mentioned a winger. I think a winger is definitely necessary. For me, strikers, I'd be interested to see what Faye could do on his own up front. That'd be quite interesting. I think mm, in like a 4 yeah. 3 3 with two wingers supporting him and Doherty running forward if we play the central three. I think that'd be quite interesting.
0: I, th- I think you're right, though, Ollie. Yeah. It's about
1: quality, isn't it? Whoever yes. comes into the team needs to, to be quality. It. And I think if that happens, and then if we can prove our waveform, God knows what could happen this season. But I think, mm. you know, mm. whoever comes into the team, you know, we, the base we've got now isn't bad. So whoever comes in needs to be good and of quality. And I'd rather have a couple of great quality players and play of high calibre rather than, you know, I think we've got too many numbers at the moment. And yeah, I said that I think we should let Kennedy and Loft go if they can go. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you've also you've added a few names to that list.
0: I think there's quite a few we could cull if we can really get rid of them and move them on, but let's be honest with you, Hendry could probably go, Sam Jones could definitely go. I think Zach Jules needs to go, frankly. He's been hanging around here for too long, doing nothing. Let's just pay him off and clear a space in the squad. Um because Ricketts has said he wants a tighter squad and just having all five of those players you've just mentioned, I've just mentioned hanging around is not really good for anyone. We we need to get players that are actually going to be involved. Um so they could probably all go back. I, I also think we might end up sending Emmanuel back or yeah. get because he's not playing
1: that I was a bit surprised because I think Manuel's probably better than Bolton but Bolton's doing a good job but also more importantly and if I was the director of football at Shrewsbury which I'm not and we don't have one I'd be thinking where's you know want to get some Sears on the pitch so yeah, maybe, I think yeah. that's a good point though Glenn actually
0: and even Coleman must be yeah. under threat a little bit because you know again he's not playing he's out on loan here from a, from a club that probably want him getting games. If if we can bring you know send him back and potentially bring in another highly rated or, young goalkeeper or the somewhere, youth
1: player maybe we've got yeah. a couple of youth goalkeepers, haven't we at this club?
0: Yeah, I'd be would be surprised if we if we messed around with goalkeepers too much now. I suspect Arnold will probably get the run at it for the rest of the season unless he starts to become poorer. But he's, he's improving Arnold. If anything, so yeah, he's really, really well. It was interesting, yeah.
1: wasn't it? What Danny Coyne said. Of those who might not have heard that that section of the podcast, we we're talking about Danny Coyne. And he's taken some weight off him to improve his agility and he's been working a lot on him. So, yeah, that's uh, Arnold has definitely improved and he's kicking yep. certainly better than, definitely, Fern, yeah. than Coleman, that's for sure. So, yeah, a few lot of interesting points there. And then also there's a big question, you know, with Holloway, I think, you know, we have a bit of debate about Holloway, but I think he's a great target man and, he's a really, and he helps Faye score. So we've got Faye anyway. And then we've got the shot, which I don't think anyone would take him up. So we've got him for the rest of the season. Um, and then we've got Angle, who, which is yeah. the big question one. What's going to happen to Angle?
0: I think if I think again, he might be one of those ones that if we can make it move and move him on, and, and maybe bring in. As I say, I, I want to bring in a striker. So if we're going to bring one in, one of them is probably going to have to go. I'd say you're right. Of all the strikers we've got on the books, it's Angle that's most likely to be able to maybe get him out on loan for six months, or or even someone might come in and buy him if if, if they think he's good enough. So yeah, I think he's he's, he's another one that could be under threat, Ollie. Um, and as I say, if we can't get rid of him, I, I think. I won't get what I want. I don't think we'd bring another forward in. I think you have to get rid of a forward um, before you bring another forward in. So we'll have to see how, how January turns out. But with a new manager having come in now before, you know, and, and wanting his own players, I suspect it will be a pretty busy January transfer. Window.
1: Yeah, probably more going out than coming in. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, yeah. Hopefully some yeah, some long-term solutions for some of those players. Um, obviously, uh, with the modern-day um, way of getting data, I'm sure that obviously um, the manager has had the chance to watch lots of videos of Hendry.
0: Yeah, uh, plus yeah. probably the
1: reports that they probably make. So so that's our opinion Glenn. Any comments from you before we close?
0: No, I suppose the only yeah. other option of lone players that are out is Bryn Morris really, isn't it? What yeah. happens with him, that's another thing to consider. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, we forgot about him, there's yeah, so many yeah. players, so
1: yeah, the squad definitely needs to be shortened. Uh, so then over to the fans so yeah, we'd really love to hear, what do you agree? You know, do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Yes. Um, you know, What do you think about Dave Edwards? Is there something we've missed? Please let us know and we'll share the thoughts um, with the fans uh, next Sunday.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea, it'd be nice to get everyone else's views, so there we go, I suppose the last thing then to wrap this podcast up, has been another big one because it's a, a lot of games, but um, predictions, we both went for Sunderland to easily beat us, although you were a bit better. You went 2 1 Tunland, so you weren't one. far yeah, off. Happens. but um, you, Yeah, game. we both had us to score, though, so that was encouraging. Um, but yeah, obviously, no points this week, so I'm still ahead by 11. So yeah, next next few games then. Obviously, next home game is Fleetwood, um, and then we've got uh, another home game versus Stoke in the FA Cup. So yeah, what about this next week or so coming up, Ollie? What yeah, are we it's thinking? An
1: interesting week, isn't it? Two home games, um, playing Fleetwood, who lost 2 5 at home to Portsmouth. That's a mouthful, um, which is obviously an interesting result. Um, obviously, we, we obviously didn't do that well against them last time, so that's going to be interesting. Um, so, that's um, on iFollow, so I probably will actually try and watch that. Although, um, actually, now I'm thinking about it, the internet here is not that great, so I don't think I'll be able to. Maybe <laughs> I'll listen to that on, uh, well, on Shropshire Radio. On you're running a
0: risk of, of not hearing anything either, right? Because iFollow didn't work for 15 minutes of the Sunderland game. Oops.
1: No. Um, but then, also, you've got a big game um, on Saturday against Stoke, who are 12th in the Championship. Um, who are not having the best of seasons, but we obviously see Ryan Woods. So, which game should we predict for this one?
0: Uh, let's do the FA Cup game. I would just yeah. we'll, we'll do the FA Cup game. I, I suspect we'll beat Fleetwood. I, I'd like to think that we'll we'll continue our good home form and win that one. So, I think I don't know if you disagree with that one, Arnie.
1: No, no, I think I think we should get a victory against Fleetwood, and it'd be nice. Obviously, our home form's good, and it'd be great. And if we do win that game and results go the right way, we'll be right in the mid table then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and but the Stoke game's is an interesting one for me because um, I saw a video this afternoon of the Stoke fans away at Bolton. I think they drew nil. And they were Bolton uh, when we and they they basically were just shouting at Gary Rowett like, "Get, get out of my club! Your football is shite, um, boring, boring. Um, we're shite, and we know we are." It just seemed to go on for the whole game. So Stoke fans are far from impressed what they've been seeing this season, which is uh, interesting because you know they, they obviously just got rele- relegated and let, well, for you, was it last year or the yeah, last I can't year last year? Last year. So they're obviously let twelve in the championship, which is a bit of a, a sort of come down for them so if we could beat Fleetwood and go into it with a bit of positivity I suspect there's a good chance we can give them a decent game um, obviously they're a championship team they've probably still got a lot of quality players you'd have to have to favour them but I'd like to think we could do something similar like we did against West Ham last year and get a 1-1 draw and, and maybe look for a replay at the Britannia certainly a lot less far to go than the bloody Olympic Stadium last year so that'd be good
1: it's ripe, for, it's ripe isn't it for an upset a team mm, that's yeah. not doing very well it's either going to go one way or the other Either we're going to get spanked <laughs> and they're going to, you know, um, they're going to have an absolute game of their lives, um, kind of redeem some of that kind of abuse they've been getting and kind of get, get, get win some favour with their fans, or it's going to be, a, it's right for a cop upset, isn't it? A team that's just had a good result, as we have. Um, maybe, and obviously Stoke will have no idea how we're going to play in this one. And it'd be interesting to see what Ricketts does do from a tactical No fake either. Yeah, yeah well, that so would we'll have me, to change it. Certainly gives me us uh, something to talk about if we keep playing different tactics. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, who, who knows, Glenn? So, yeah. So, you say, as you like to remind me, you're winning. So, what are you going to go for? Are you going for that one-all?
0: Yeah, I'm going to go for that one-all. I think that would, that would be a decent result for us. I think I could I could see us getting it. I think a few things it depends on. Obviously, Faye's not playing. Have we recruited anyone that can come in and play in the FA Cup um, pre, pre-game? pre
1: Yeah, <laughs> The shop will score. Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I'm going to go for it. No, no, I'm not, as you said, I'm not. Well, maybe if maybe the shop scores, I can get a bonus point. But, um, yeah, Salah, <laughs> um, Salah to win 1-0. I'm going for it sorry 2-1 sorry 2-1 that's good
0: nice confident prediction for a nice cup upset it'd be nice to keep the cup run going
1: and a bit of f- a few dollars in the bank as well
0: yeah with, I should say if it's the sort of game that if Ricketts can win he could find himself with another 30-40 grand to spend on a maybe we or could um,
1: open in Tottenham Stadium that would be nice
0: <laughs> it could be good there Dave go.
1: Mateus did say that didn't he so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that'd be yeah. quite a good one so the first
0: game there
1: so yeah hopefully you guys enjoyed that podcast see two different two different games i think it's worked well at glenn that we did the stanley game uh, before the sunland game because yeah. yeah sometimes when we do a two a two game podcast are uh, the you know it does curry the flavor doesn't it if we have a good result second afterwards um so yes yeah, so i hope you guys enjoyed please share our thoughts uh, your thoughts on the transfer window we'd love to hear those um you know you know i'm sure you'll have guys have some great ideas and yeah anything else glenn
0: no, I think that's it. It's it's going to be Happy New Year because this is our last pod of two thousand eighteen, which we should just reflect has been a good two thousand eighteen for our football club, but also a good uh, two thousand eighteen for our podcast as well, Ollie, because it's seen some incredible growth this year, especially during the run last year with us with us sort of going towards promotion and lots of new listeners coming on board, and we seem to retain them over the summer, and we've seen great numbers this year. So once again, I'd just say on behalf of our of our podcast, really thanks to everyone that's listened over the course of two thousand eighteen and helped us grow, and and uh, yeah, we'll be back in two thousand nineteen. We have no plans to go anyway do we
1: no we don't know. so yeah thanks for listening guys um sell up sell up and we'll um yeah we'll be back next week
0: yep happy new year oh!